calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of the geek buddies (gasps) (laughs) well well well, we are back this week after a triumphant uh nine week uh, odyssey through the wandavision uh, spoiler review episodes with the great emma fife uh we are back to doing our regular show here taking a little bit of a collective breath before we jump into the Falcon and Winter Soldier reviews, which are literally right around the corner, just a few days away. So we're getting excited for that. We will announce who our fourth person uh, will be uh, very soon. So keep your ear to the ground for that. But let's introduce ourselves for those who might be new watching the Geek Buddies. I am the outlaw, John Roca, joined as always by these two gentlemen. And the gentleman in the middle there is... Michael Vogel, a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. 
And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Modern Family, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, certainly my girlfriend and I texted Shannon because we saw his episode the other day. We had, we're going back through Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She had started in season four and went to the end. So we've gone backwards now into seasons one, two, and three. We saw Shannon's episode, which is really funny. That guy can wear a leather jacket, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to get into so many things. The Bob Chapek comments, certainly. We've got a Powerpuff Girls live-action series uh, uh, casting news to talk about on the CW. We've also got a Kung Fu trailer to break down speaking of the CW as well. And then we're going to get into our main topic. And our main topic today uh, is kind of a WandaVision post-mortem. What do we feel now after all these interviews have come out with Elizabeth Olsen, Jack Sh- uh, Jock Schaefer, Matt Shackman, all talking about the different paths that they were walking down with WandaVision and some of the cuts and some of the uh, uh, scenes that were added uh, as they went along or some of the, uh, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? What do you call it? Some of the things that were changed or moved around to make it fit within time constraints because of COVID and wanting to release it when they did. So we're getting into all of that a little bit later down the road. Uh, thank you to everybody who's coming back and joining us for another week. And those of you who are new, we just, we, this is how it goes. The three of us present one geek news item each. We talk about it, take a mini break and jump into the main topic. So uh, are we ready? Shall we start? Let's do it. I say let's do it. All right, let's jump into it. Our first story, of course, uh, about uh, w- uh, concerning Bob uh, Chapek. Bob Chapek, he was doing an investors call with uh, all these people who are shareholders meeting, all these people who have a shares uh, in the Disney Corporation. And it was pretty incredible. It felt like an AMA. It felt like a Q&A. People asking him all kinds of questions that you normally don't see a CEO answer but a couple of things or a few things that have come out of this uh, shareholders meeting and i'm so curious to hear what you guys think michael and shannon is a he said that they are committed to kathleen kennedy and they are going forward in the future with star wars and kathleen kennedy after he was asked point blank if they were going to have kathleen kennedy step down to be replaced by either filoni or favreau he was asked about the gina carano firing and he said he doesn't think Disney's left-leaning or right-leaning. They did. They thought that they, that she violated company policy with some of her offensive posts, and that's why she was let go. Uh, and then he jumped in. He jumped into also talking about I think a little bit of the parks as well. And of course, it's on the heels of uh, Disney Plus going over a hundred million subscribers recently. And he also said that Black Widow is still keeping the May seventh theatrical release date. Um, and of course, combine that with the news that we're hearing that LA now is opening the theaters, some of their theaters this Saturday as we're recording it, and New York has opened some of their theaters already. We may be slowly starting to go towards the idea of going back into theaters. All right, Michael, I go to you. You're an executive. You've been an executive at a studio. Yeah, uh, you're doing all the things that you're doing now. Talk to me and tell me what you feel about what Bob Chapek had to say during these uh, during the shareholders meeting. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that the uh, the the overall goal, the overall point is that he didn't really say anything that controversial. I think when mm-hmm. you're a CEO in one of these big meetings, your goal is to not ruffle any feathers. And he did not. I mean, with the Gina Carano thing, I'm sure that there's people that have different opinions on what he said. But yeah. he said what you would expect the CEO of Disney to say, which is they don't lean left. They don't lean right. They have family values and they want to always be nice and sweet and have pixie dust. And that is all there is. And then Gina Carano did not adhere to that. And that is the end of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of Star Wars people are really kind of surprised by the Kathleen Kennedy thing, surprised that he was so vocally uh, uh, positive mm-hmm. about Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, I think, you know, I've been pretty consistent in my, 
I don't think Kathleen Kennedy is a Kevin Feige, but I think for what Kathleen Kennedy does, she does a good job with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we're looking at where Star Wars is at right now, um, you know, despite anyone's feelings about Solo, despite anyone's feelings about, uh, you know, the new trilogy, which some people love and some people, uh, you know, the shine came off it a little bit with Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. You have to admit, Star Wars is in a pretty good spot right now. Like, wherever wherever you were thought that Kathleen Kennedy sort of took missteps earlier, uh, given... Mandalorian season two, given all of the Star Wars content on Disney Plus that's coming, given the caliber of directors that we have attached to the next Star Wars films coming out, like, I don't see any reason why you would want to get rid of Kathleen Kennedy at the moment. Mm. Yeah, certainly six billion um, plus she's made for yeah. the franchise, uh, Mike. Yeah, uh, you know, as far as the Gina Carano stuff goes, I know that uh, the the person who asked Bob Chapek, Bob Chapek about it kind of brought up the idea that, you know, Gina Carano's stance on this is that she got uh, punished for doing something that Pedro Pascal did not get punished for and kind of tried to use the comparison that mm. Pedro Pascal, I guess, back in 2018 or so, uh, posted something that compared putting children in cages to the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And then she compared being a right wing conservative to the Holocaust. Uh, I think that is a that is a shaky uh, comparison at best. I think we can all agree uh, that putting people in cages is bad and the Holocaust is bad. I think that uh, right-wing conservatives probably don't have it as bad as children in cages or people in the Holocaust. So right. that would be my opinion on the difference on those two <laughs> statements. <laughs> yeah, pretty clear when you're not pushing a narrative to fit you to twist and mold into your point of view on the whole situation, for sure. If there were actually children in cages. You can't prove a point that's like really just your opinion. You know what I'm saying? So uh, what what do you think about all this, Shannon? Certainly he went on about Kathy Kennedy. And this is her year. 2021 is when her contract, her extension is supposedly up. And she's, he said, we want her to be representing us for many years to come in the Star Wars side of things. Now, do you think this was him fully committing ahead of possible contract negotiations, or do you think they've already kind of negotiated a contract for her going forward with this, which is why Bob said what he said, and they're just waiting for the right time to announce it? Because they've got 11 series coming out, the Taika Waititi movie, the Kevin Feige movie, the Patty Jenkins movie. A lot is happening under her proverbial watch. Yeah, I mean, th th there's two ways of looking at it. I mean... Ben Affleck was was committed to starring uh, yeah, in Matt true. Reeves' Batman for, for quite a while. I mean, he, he said he would love to be an ape for Matt Reeves if he had asked him. So the time for these announcements typically is not going to be at a big shareholder meeting. That being <laughs> said, Mike Mike's not wrong. I mean, for, for all the issues that some people might have with the sequel trilogy that they might have with Solo, Kathleen Kennedy was also the one who, who was behind The Mandalorian. Now, not... Yeah not necessarily creatively, like I think we've discussed at length, like she does not seem to be a creative executive, kind of how Feige is, but she is the one saying yes and saying no. I mean, the buck does stop with her. So as yeah. much as you, you might dislike where the films went, um, you can't argue with the quality of the television and yeah. the, the massive amount of stuff that, that is, that is coming assuming that all that stuff that was announced at their investor day does end up happening. She has a hand in that as well as to mm -hmm. like Favreau or Filoni taking her position. I don't see that happening again, thinking of at her as, as an executive. I mean, mm -hmm. Favreau's not an executive. I mean, he, he is a writer. He is a director. He is a performer. He's a producer. I mean, these are not, these are not uh, interchangeable positions. Like you mm -hmm. don't have a ton of people who can make the the shift that Mr. Vogel did? Who can go from executive 
over to storytelling. Yeah. And I would and I would doubt, and, and Mike can correct me if I'm wrong here, that the the switch from uh, storytelling to executive probably happens even less. Mm-hmm. Um, to the Gino Carana, I mean, yeah, he's he's not gonna Chapik's not gonna say anything controversial. I mean, mm-hmm. as the as the figurehead of one of the biggest media brands in the world, like, yeah, he's not there to ruffle feathers. I mean, he's yeah. there to basically give a nice nice middle of the road answer i mean and something else he had said is like you know we want disney to unify people because disney is a huge family brand but at the same time it's a very progress or it can be a very progressive brand as well um so so that's that's what he wants to do and and in terms of kathleen kennedy you know i don't think there will be any any warning if she decides not to come back, that it will just be an announcement, much like the announcement when Disney initially purchased Lucasfilm. I remember we were all in a text chain when that first article came out, and that seemed to be out of the blue. Granted, that was before John made his transition over to podcast magnate. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe we would have some more warning now. We would have gotten a heads up. <laughs> True. Well, yeah, I mean, and I and I, I appreciate his comments. These are the things you're supposed to say. He also announced that Bob Iger will officially be gone, I think, November 7th, I think he said. So by near the end of this year, he is officially leaving uh, the Disney company, you know, officially like he's been there they kind of shepherd things along but chapek has been the person out front a week ago he talked about the fact that uh, these that the theatrical window will permanently be shortened now he thinks because people as i said months ago on the show people got used to having these things delivered to their house as human beings, we adapt to situations quickly. That's how we're built because things are always constantly, constantly in flux. And so when things change, we adapt to situations to survive. I knew eventually people would just get used to having it day and date. And that's the situation there for now. It might not be day and date with Disney uh, going down the road. Certainly Black Widow is going that direction, but they are going to be shortening that theatrical window. So the theaters may come open but it doesn't mean you have to necessarily go to there to see the movie. You can wait a month and it'll be there on your streaming service. I liked what he had to say that with that. Uh, the Gina Carano stuff, I thought that was a perfectly well-reasoned answer. We are this. We're not one way or the other. We present this, and we want this to represent everybody. And I thought that was the right answer. Uh, and overall, what he had to say about Kathleen Kennedy as well. Yeah, this kind of proves, hey, we're committed to you. And if it doesn't work out in negotiation, we said we were committed. Clearly, we couldn't find the right terms. Good luck to you. We'll see you down the road and what have you. And he certainly has, if Filoni and Favreau have any possible interest in it, um, he certainly has two people who can step in if he wants them to step in. Um, But yeah, all of it overall, I thought it was uh, very... Oh, and Michael, I get your thoughts on this. He said the parks are going to open in April. And apparently this is... Gavin Newsom is announcing that all the parks are going to open in the California area by April 1st. So Universal Studios... Uh, Six Flags, uh, sorry, uh, Knott's Berry Farm, but certainly Disneyland is the one that everyone has been waiting on to open. What's your thoughts on this? Do you think it's too soon? Are you going? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Going. Uh, look, I, here's what I think. Uh, look, fortunately, we're in a pretty good spot right now. Uh, more people are getting vaccinated every mm-hmm. day. Like we're, we're, We are definitely going in the right direction. Yes. Still not totally safe. There's still variants out there. Everybody should still practice social distancing, wear masks, everything. But you have to admit, like, unless they're doing a massive cover-up, 
Disney World in Orlando has been open for quite some time mm. now. And we all know that Florida has been a pretty intense hotspot at different True. times during through this pandemic. And it seems like however they've been handling it down there has been good. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as long as Disneyland and California Adventure out here are going to sort of follow the same guidelines, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, like a smaller number of people being let in. I don't know how they're doing social distancing with lines. But if if Newsom is giving the OK on all this, I'm sure that there's guidelines and I'm sure that they'll follow them. And, you know, like I said, like I'll 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 spend a lot of my time outdoors. Mm. Uh, I'll stay socially distant, but, uh, yeah, I want, I want a damn churro and some dull pineapple with man. I'm ready for it. It's been too, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I'm really looking forward to. Okay. The last time that I went to Disneyland was to ride rise of the resistance mm -hmm. at uh, star Wars galaxy's edge. And we screwed it up. We woke up super early, got there, mm -hmm. screwed things up, didn't get on. And one of our friends, geek buddy Jonathan Gabay, oh. was not in a very good mood that day about it. That doesn't um, sound right. That doesn't sound like him at had, all. Yeah. We still had a perfectly fun day, <laughs> but we didn't get to ride Rise of the Resistance. And I kind of was trying to like paint the rosy picture. And I remember saying, guys, we've got annual passes. We'll just come down in like three weeks and we'll ride it then. It's not a big deal. Mm. And then COVID hit. Yeah. And I was wrong. So actually, <laughs> I'm going back because I want to ride that damn ride. <laughs> uh, uh, was there any call to anybody in management by Good Bay? Because he likes to do that as well. Those are my favorite calls to overhear. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> there was a. There, there was a. He's going to listen to this, and I'm going to. Yes, he is. That's like, why I said you. when I said <laughs> there. There was a. I want to speak to somebody about what happened. Of course there was. Uh, of course there was. But he, but not entirely wrong. He was not entirely wrong. We did get some very bad advice from an employee that prevented us from getting on the ride. Oh, blame, you're, you're going to blame the staff, really? This is what we're doing, Karen? Is that what you're we doing, were, Karen? We were told something that made sense. It turned out to be incorrect. We did not get on the ride. That is all I'm saying. That's fair. That's and, fair. And wasn't the bad information like you guys took that? We're like, well, we'd really like to go get coffee at this one place. Is that was that? No, no, you can get coffee anywhere at the parks. That wasn't the. the okay. It was more of a go here because there'll be less of a crowd. It'll be easier for you to uh, fast pass and get in where you need to be. But that is neither here nor there. The point is, I am excited about it. Absolutely. Um, I have a question for you guys, actually. Sure. Before, I was sure. actually thinking about this before we hop on to the next thing and not to yeah. derail this entire conversation, but back to the Gina Carano of it all, because I am yeah. sure that this will come up in our comments uh, below sure. more to the point of what she says. Do you think um, that conservatives in Hollywood are treated differently than liberals in Hollywood, which is really wow. her overall point? Her That's overall a... point is, <sighs> yeah. is, is I, I am treated differently because I'm a conservative and Pedro Pascal or other people that have liberal views can say whatever the hell they want and it's fine. And I'm treated differently. Do you think that's true? Well, I'd like, I counter with this. Uh, does an LGBTQ person get to drive around Hollywood, drive around the South uh, or some of the red state areas and feel that they're not going to be harassed or, or treated with any kind of negative reaction? You know, let me, let me counter by asking that question. If I wear a, if I have a Biden Harris sticker on my car, am I not going to get yelled at by people in certain red States, which I've seen happen on YouTube. So this is the thing. It's not one sided. Both sides have these people that are upset about the other side, no matter where you go in this country, that's how it is. That's unfortunately what we, what has been created here with our political divisions. 
I don't know, uh, and I'd have to do a lot more research, and I think it would take an incredible amount of research to find out if conservatives are. Because let me let me run down a list of conservatives that are working consistently in Hollywood who are talented. Let me put that out there. Bruce Willis, uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tim Allen, who is still working consistently on a number of series. Patricia Heaton has worked consistently for a number of years on a number of series. I think if you're talented and you're good, People want to work with you. It's irrelevant of your political beliefs. It's can they get along with you and can you do the job? Gina Carano was on that set for two years, working consistently for two seasons. She had been plucked out of doing Street Fighter Seven to be in something really, really good. I think eventually her mind just turned about in politics and that's her right as a human being. And she, she said the stuff that she said and eventually crossed the line that I think a lot of us can agree across the country was too far to go. I mean, we just heard of the NBA today or yesterday, Myers Leonard, a player with the Miami Heat, used the K-word as a, as a slur playing a Twitch game, and he's been suspended for the rest of the season. These are the things. You can't cross certain lines and not expect a repercussion. So do I think they're treated differently? I don't see that. James Woods works. John Voigt works consistently. People work in this town who are conservative. It's if you're going to be abrasive and aggressive with your political views. That's where I think it starts to become a line that can't be crossed. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I think it, I think it depends on the status of the person. One, I yes, mean, if, absolutely. If you're if you're a Tim Allen, um, you still you still generate an audience, and as long as uh, as as you were saying, Roka, as long as you know you're not being abrasive on set. At the end of the day, they just uh, a studio, a network. They want a good product. They want right. a good product that's going to get eyes. And some of those people that you mentioned. Stu still do get eyes. I mean, again, Tim Allen is a, is a great example. When I've been on set, I've never seen anyone <laughs> be, be derided for their political views. Yeah. I've also not heard a ton of political conversations on set. Most people I'm, stay away from that stuff on set. Yeah, right? I mean, for the most part, that's, you know, you, you, you don't really have time to talk about that. I mean, if you're on a break with, with another performer, you might talk about politics. I don't know. But I mean, for the most part, those subjects from my experience, and again, I, I've never been a serious regular. I've never been on a show five days a week for, you know, 36 weeks. Um, but I have been on a lot of sets, um, and that's, that's not something that I have ever witnessed. But again, I mean, it, it, it depends on the status of the person. I think Tim Allen could get another show made tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Sylvester Stallone, to a lesser degree with movies, he could get a movie made tomorrow. These people, their names get things made. So yeah, I think it just depends. Um, okay. But, as to, okay. but as to Pedro Pascal's, the, the comparison, I mean, I agree with you, Mike. It's, 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 uh, it doesn't have, it, it, tricky structural foundation of that comparison. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. I, I, I was just, I was going to say, go ahead. Go, yeah, you, sorry, sorry, go, Mike. Johnny. Just real quick, two things, real quick. Kelsey Grammer is coming back with Frazier. Right. Kelsey Grammer, hardcore conservative as well. So, you know, people work in this town. They work in this town. And I'll tell you this, and this is for some of the people who maybe want to believe that narrative that's being pumped out by some of the right wing uh, uh, news channels and what have you and the right wing websites. There are a lot of executives, producers, studio heads uh, and directors that are conservatives, a lot of them. And so this is not a town that shits on conservatives who are on that side of the ledger. Let me tell you that right now. So I know that for quite some time. Uh, sorry, go yeah. ahead. 
No, I was just as as you. I, I agree with what both of you guys are saying. I actually I thought about it because when I read her responses, when I was reading what she was saying in interviews, mm. you know, like I always try and like at least I, I try and be open and be like, okay, let me think about like is that true? Like if I was a conservative. Yeah. Uh, and kind of to your point, Johnny, like when I worked at Hasbro, you know, Hasbro corporate Hasbro studios was out here and it is out here in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, but Hasbro, the toy company was in Rhode Island. And there was a lot of people that I was reporting to, uh, and having big top level meetings with that were very conservative. Yeah. Uh, it's a much, it was a much more conservative place. Um, and what I realized, and it's kind of what Shannon says is when you're in a room talking about transformers or ponies, or you're in a room talking about the MCU or star Wars or any of these things, you actually don't tend to talk politics a lot. Yeah. So I think to Johnny's point, like I don't think that Hollywood is this place where you go on set and everybody's running around yelling like, yeah, Biden, yeah, Kamala, like let's go change the world. Like everyone's like, yeah. what is our call time? Where's yeah. the craft services table? Yeah. Do they have do they have the good chips? Like that's like what you want to know. That's um, really it. Where's the bathroom? And I think that's it. Yeah, and where can I get water? Yeah. I, I think in the case of Gina Carano, I think that the if she was being honest with herself, and I think if her fans and her detractors are being honest, I think what happened with her is she made a bunch of comments on Twitter and she got a very positive reaction from a very specific group in yes. the social media universe. And I think that she liked the response she was getting and she continued to court that response more and more and more. Uh, yeah. And I think that she continued to make comments, probably not on set, probably not if she's walking around the lot at Disney, but in social media, she kept saying things and she kept going into a direction. And yeah. it wasn't that she held conservative views, it's that she willingly and excitingly, excitedly seemed to embrace being this lightning rod that wow. was not in keeping with the values of what Disney or Star Wars was looking to stick with. And that doesn't mean liberal or conservative. It means we don't want you to dive into the, this political world and start becoming mm -hmm. this lightning rod for people because Pedro Pascal, anyone else like, I don't know John, I don't know how John Favreau voted. I don't know what yeah. Dave Filoni thinks about income inequality, um, yeah. but I can tell you what Gina Carano thinks about all that because she kept talking about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you are a hot button of controversy, doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on, yeah. um, the studios are more than likely going to take a step back from you because you bring you can bring negative attention to that product. Yeah. And I mean, and that's not to say that people who court controversy don't get cast because some do. And some of them are huge stars. Yep. And that's why they can do it. Gina Carano, not at that level. Not at that level, no matter what. I mean, she's on the Star Wars show, sure, certainly. Uh, but is Carl Weathers at that level? Carl Weathers is maybe one or two episodes behind Gina and the amount of times he has been on the screen. Uh, uh, you know, how many episodes he's appeared in. But is Carl Weathers going to get a movie made where he's the lead? Uh, is Ben Shapiro going to save Carl Weathers? No, it's because they saw a young conservative who is because all the uh, pretty much a lot of the conservatives in Hollywood are old conservatives. They wanted someone young and vibrant. Gina Carano came around with her points of views, which again, I said, that is her right as a human being to believe what she would like to believe. We are a free country, but there are repercussions to some of the things you say, especially if you work for a company. All of us have worked for companies. We know, uh, even freelance, we know we can't just say whatever we want to say because we could get, lose our jobs and rightfully so. And most contracts have that. And there were apparently three separate occasions where she said, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, and then didn't and kept going. Uh, and here's some more. Michael Bay is a conservative. Jerry Bruckheimer is a conservative. Adam Carolla is a conservative. John Cryer, Lex Luthor, 
is a conservative. That's a, a shocking thing. Mel Gibson, everybody knows, is a conservative as well. So there's a lot. Chuck Norris. These are people who, John Ratzenberger. Yes, your favorite Pixar guy is a conservative. Adam Sandler Cliff is Clavin? Yeah, Adam Sandler <laughs> is reportedly a conservative. Tom Selleck is a conservative. So Gary Sinise. So uh, so these are people that have been around a while. We mentioned John Voigt, mentioned James Woods. Yeah, oh, David Zucker, who did Airplane and the Naked Gun films. Yeah, you can exist quite comfortably in this town. The question is, can you make money and do you have status? That's always the difference. Gina had not earned that, but she's young. She's vibrant. She's got talent, certainly. Uh, some level of talent, certainly. And we'll see what she does going forward. Uh, moving on to something lighter, Michael. What would you like to address? Well, I don't know about lighter. This is a day of controversy over here, guys. <laughs> about controversial. Let's talk about Powerpuff Girls live hey, action on the CW. Uh, for, for those that don't know, it has been announced that uh, everybody's favorite trio of uh, sweet and adorable superheroes, the Powerpuff Girls, are making mm. the jump from animation to live action with a CW series. And the Powerpuff Girls uh, have been cast. It has been announced that uh, Chloe Bennett will be playing Blossom, Dove Cameron will be playing Bubbles, and Yana Peralt will be playing Buttercup. Uh, obviously, fans know Chloe Bennett from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Uh, Dove Cameron, if you are a fan of Descendants, she played Maul. And uh, Yana Peralt has been in Jagged Little Pill on Broadway and uh, Hamilton and yeah. is now coming to the small screen as Buttercup. Um, so the interesting thing about this Powerpuff uh, show is uh, it is not about clearly given the casting three adorable little girls uh it is about a bunch of uh older women in their 30s who realize that they've lost their entire childhood to crime fighting and are not too happy about it uh according to daily variety synopsis blossom uh which is like i said which is chloe bennett uh, is now now holds several advanced degrees, but has become anxious and reclusive due to her repressed superhero trauma and is struggling to become a leader once again. Meanwhile, Dove Cameron's Bubbles is the same sparkling character as she was as a kid and is initially more interested in recapturing her fame by becoming a superhero again. And Yana Peralt's Buttercup uh, has left her rebellious exterior behind and has spent her adulthood shedding her superhero identity to live an anonymous life. Um, so that is the status of the new Powerpuff Girls. Very little is known about it. Uh, Diablo Cody is attached to it. Greg Berlanti, who does all things superhero and CW, is attached to it. Uh, it is an interesting take on uh, on Powerpuff Girls. So what do you guys think of uh, of the live action concept as the whole on the whole? And mm -hmm. what do you think of the casting? Uh, Shannon? You know, in terms of the casting, I mean, Chloe Bennett is is really the only one that I am familiar with. And she did... She did a perfectly fine job. Um, I didn't think she was amazing, uh, but, but I thought, but I thought she was good. She worked as the lead. The other two performers, I don't know. The idea, what's interesting, Wait, you're, is not that, a, you're not a giant fan of Descendants on Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are many things I've watched on Disney Plus. I have not, I have not cracked open the Descendants package yet. Um, as a concept, I think it's really interesting because it's very easy to kind of scoff at it at the beginning. But you think uh, the Powerpuff Girls came out in the late 90s, like 98 or 99. And you figure their audience would have been between six to 10 years old. Like that was probably yeah. the demographic they were going for. So you 20 years later, you have all these six to 10 year olds who are now 26 to 30 years old. And there's there's definitely a nostalgia like, oh, my gosh, Powerpuff Girls we have to we have to check this out. I mean, it would be I'll be curious to see if they go into to me, this this rings inherently comedic. Um, 
if they really kind of lean into it. I think it could be really funny. But also think of think of Riverdale. I mean, the Archie comics, I didn't really think of being uh, uh, as as teen teen angsty um and they they took that show in a much different direction when i heard they were going to do an adaptation of archie it was like oh my god with jughead what why <laughs> but the, the show has garnered a significant following so yeah. there are two very distinct ways that they could go and the fact that greg berlanti and diablo cody are behind it you you, you can't you can't write it off yeah, yeah. Look, I, I like this. I like the Diablo Cody. That's the key that you just said, Shannon. To me, Diablo Cody kind of levels the playing field all around. She's a great writer for women. She's written some really interesting roles for these for women to play through the years. I know there are people who defend Jennifer's body even all the way back to that, saying that that was some of the best work Megan Fox has ever done. Diablo Cody wrote for her. As she said, you know, uh, about uh, Chloe Bennett, she's a perfectly fine actress. She's not necessarily going to blow the doors off, but she's certainly a fine actress who can handle carrying a show and, a, and did for for numerous seasons on, on prime time. You know, so that's a lot to ask a, a young actress to do. And she certainly stepped up to the plate enough for those Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans for sure. I'm just confused by this. I feel like she's past this kind of thing. So it's weird to see her with an up and comer like Dove Cameron uh, and Peralta. Like it, it just feels weird to me. She has led a series. So maybe they think, though, that she's the anchor from which these two. But oh. when I think Powerpuff Girls, I don't think Chloe Bennett. I wanted to see something next from her that was a bit more mature, a bit more adult, a bit more that. So I wonder the path they're walking because Diablo Cody certainly can write adult stuff. So I wonder if they are going to go the Riverdale route. If they do, then I take my uh, my concerns back and, and, and look forward to see what they can create here. I mean, given what the CW sort of uh, vibe is, mm. I I think it is going to be more in the I don't want to say dramatic, but superhero dramatic. It's gonna it's gonna fit right in with Riverdale and Flash and Superman and Lois. Like it'll have like some big arc, uh, you know. And and as far as like Chloe Bennett, like Blossom is kind of the default leader of the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, so maybe she that's is the, the point. one who's yep. like the main one. So anchoring kind of your bigger name as your Blossom character and having two sort of up-and-comers, slightly lesser-known actresses as your Bubbles and Buttercup kind of does make sense. Um, I I have no idea. I, I literally <laughs> have no idea uh, what it is going to be. I guess my big... It does seem like... If I had to guess, I think they're going to be... It'll be fun, and it'll be tongue-in-cheek, but right. they're going to deal with some real things. I don't think Diablo Cody just wants to come and do a, hey, look, we're adults and we have superpowers. Like They probably do want to deal with... like If you were a superhero, it's almost like taking the idea of being a child actor... Mm -hmm. And then seeing where you are as an adult and just replacing actor with superhero. And yeah. I think that does open up some interesting uh, uh, routes. I will say that the thing that I am most curious about. Yeah. Uh, and granted, CW is the network that does have, uh, you know, giant superhero CG bad guys. And so it's possible. But like the villains of Powerpuff Girls are really where it's at for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to know, are we going to see a Mojo Jojo? Like, are we seeing him, <laughs> which is basically gay devil? Like, I want to see these villains show up, and I want to see how they are going to portray them. Because if we're getting a live-action show with some adult Powerpuff Girls, and, like, some weird monkey shows up with a giant glass dome in his brain showing, 
I'm fucking in. I don't care about the rest of it. I am on board. I am ready. I want it. Mojo Jojo was one of my favorite villains <laughs> when I used to watch that. And so that's what I'm really curious about. That I want to know who's playing Mojo Jojo. You know, when you when we were talking, we were thinking about the bad guys. I was immediately the 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 villainous monkey. I was like, oh my gosh, if they can get like a pogo from an Umbrella Academy level oh, effects, yeah. I'm like, that could be awesome. That could be yeah. really again. Yeah. I think I'm going comedic, but I'm probably wrong. Well, yeah, maybe, but to your yeah. point, well, to your point, even pogo though. I mean, Umbra- I think Umbrella yeah. Academy is probably a good uh, a good example for a couple of reasons. Like Umbrella Academy yeah. is funny and it's yes. quirky. And it's weird, but like Pogo's not like a joke in Umbrella right. Academy. Like when 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 some stuff happens to Pogo, I'll refrain from saying because I've, you haven't watched Umbrella Academy. Like I got upset. Yeah, like, it's yeah. emotional. So I do think that if you are going to go down the road of having a little monkey uh, supervillain or a weird sort of uh, sexually ambiguous devil character named him, um, you're going to have to be kind of weird and quirky. And I think you can be tongue in cheek. But I think that finding a little bit of like real emotion in there, if they're able to do it, which seems like what Diablo Cody would want to do, um, I could be really interesting. We'll see. It could be a disaster. Yeah. It could be really interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, they really knocked it out of the park with Superman and Lois. So I anticipate they'll do the same thing with this here. You see the CW. I feel like, Mike, the CW and, and Shannon, the CW seems to be turning this corner from the stuff they did before with Flash and with... Uh, with the uh, arrow and yeah, those were all perfectly fine. Sh- and I know Flash is still on perfectly fine superhero shows. They did deal with adult stuff, but kind of not really that hardcore stuff. And yeah, there were deaths, yes, and all, but it's the CW. This feels like there are more stakes. They're working towards more adults of Riverdale, kind of showing what can be done here. Then Superman and Lois, we're seeing them kind of, even Black Lightning had a little more uh, um, a gravitas to it than some of the yeah. other superhero shows that have come along. So if this is the turn the CW is making so they can compete with Netflix, they can compete with Amazon Prime or Hulu or whatever streaming, Disney Plus, whatever streaming services are out there that are generating their own content, then I think this is brilliant, an absolutely brilliant move. So if they go into this with a more adult approach to the Powerpuff Girls and exploring what it must be like to A, be created in a lab and B, have this pressure on them to constantly save the world, but they're older, I'm, I would that would be fun as hell because we've seen the boys and what that can show you about the superhero world. How about a more adult Powerpuff Girls that shows you what this actually would be like in live action? I'm all for it if they if they can pull it off. Well, uh, we shall see. <laughs> yes, we shall. Uh, all right, Shannon. What's our last thing? Uh, speaking of things coming back. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of the CW and Greg Berlanti, we've got trailer, trailer, trailer. We've only got one trailer this oh, week. Okay. But it is a special one, <laughs> which which we'll get into in a second. But yes, they released the first trailer for the reboot of Kung Fu. That's also going to be on the CW from Christina M. Kim and Greg Berlanti. Uh, so I, I'm sure our listeners already know, but uh, there was there was a uh, Kung Fu series way back. Was it the 70s or the 60s, John? The 70s, 70s. The 70s with David Carradine started off at like this was this was like uh, Bruce Lee had an idea. Uh, he he pitched it to the networks. They were they were hesitant to have an Asian lead, and yeah. so they and we ended up getting Kung Fu with David Carradine. Um, but then Warrior came out on Cinemax and HBO Max, which is awesome, and yeah. it is produced by uh, 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 Bruce Lee's daughter. Uh, I think it's his daughter, Shannon mm-hmm. Lee. Mm-hmm. But 
But the CW is now doing a reboot of Kung Fu. And this one, this trailer, I thought, looked really, really awesome. In the lead, we have uh, Olivia Leong. We have uh, Tai Ma, who you might remember from The Arrival or The Farewell. Uh, Tan... Kang Hua, who was from Crazy Rich Asians, and then Gwendolyn Yao, Gavin Stenhouse, Ludi Lin, and a young fella named Eddie Liu. So oh. Eddie is, is one of our geek buddies. He's a friend of the show. Woo! He and I nice. were, were in Silicon Valley together. He just a terrific, terrific guy, really, really great actor. But this trailer looks awesome. I mean, I finished Warrior this morning. So I there is there is a vacancy in my martial arts entertainment. And based off of this like 90 second trailer, uh, I think Kung Fu is going to be is is going to fill that hole. But gentlemen, take it away. What did you think of the Kung Fu trailer? Yeah, it's only a minute and 10 seconds. Uh, it was fun to watch. I really enjoyed it. I like that they've gone a female route, right? This is where a lot of these stories, when they're being rebooted or coming back, we're exploring the idea of a female being in the lead. The Equalizer just got uh, uh, re-upped for a second season on CBS. That's Queen Latifah playing what has normally been the male role. First, I think the I think the gentleman's name is Edward something in the 80s, and then Jenzel Washington in the movie version. So now we have Queen Latifah, a female taking the character over, bringing it into the 2021s. So for me, this is where, or the 2020s rather, this is for me uh, a good thing. And I liked the action. I like that they've populated it with the actors that you know or have seen in numerous things. Shout out to our, uh, to our man, Eddie Liu. Congratulations to him. But this looks like a lot of fun. And once again, this feels a little more mature, yet uh, yet accessible. And I love that. So I'm looking forward to it. The action sequels look great. I've got to get into Warrior. I'm studying for a match right now. When the 26th oh. happens, I will jump into Warrior. I've had to pause Queen's Gambit as well so because i got to focus on studying. But after the 26th, I will absolutely celebrate or drown my sorrows in both Warrior and Queen's Gambit that weekend. So uh, we shall see. But, Mike, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, yeah, super excited about it. Uh, congratulations, Eddie. You are all over that trailer. It's awesome. Um, but I also think, like, kind of to what you were, we were talking about with uh, the potential for Powerpuff Girls, uh, what, as I watch a trailer, it is CW is definitely upping their game. And I think mm. it is because uh, as, as all the big movie franchises that I love are coming to the streamers, and we've got Zack Snyder's Justice League, and we've got Mandalorian, and we've got more Star Wars series, and we've got WandaVision, and we've got this, like... CW used to be the place that you went for all of these genre shows. You went, you, you went for like the teen superhero, the teen hero solving crimes, the teen whatever. Um, and that was like all we had in television in a lot of ways. And now mm -hmm. that we have so many more options and now that we have so many more high profile options, um, they're having to like up their game a bit. And uh, this trailer definitely looked like that. Like this trailer is like one, two steps away from like, if you told me this was a summer movie coming out, I'd be like, oh yeah, definitely, I buy it. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks super fun, cast looks amazing. And also it's just refreshing to see a cast that is uh, you know, a completely diverse cast. That it's yeah. not like a little bit of diversity or the one character, like this is a show that really like looks like it's showing like the Chinese American experience. Uh, it's not just, hey, look, I've got good Kung Fu powers. It looks like there's a richer, deeper story there uh, that I think is going to be really, really exciting. So I'm super mm -hmm. stoked. I, I was never like, uh, not, I'm not quite old enough to have been a fan of the original Kung Fu. I think like they did like a, a remake of it that was in syndication at some point, like Kung Fu, the legend continues, I feel mm -hmm. like was on yeah. TV at some point yeah. growing up. Yes, I forgot about um, that. 
Yep. And I think I watched a little bit of that, but uh, yeah, I'm super stoked. I'm really excited to check this out. Yeah. yeah. Well, yep. Kung Fu will be on the CW April 7th. There you go. And with all, with all this, uh, you know, these uh, reports coming out of this violence against Asian Americans across the country, it's going to be so great to have something positive, something, uh, something great on the TV to kind of push back against all of that for people to kind of jump back into the Asian culture. Uh, and if you haven't seen Raya and the Last Dragon, there's a lot of that in there as well for you all to enjoy. Can't recommend that movie enough as well. Um, all right, let's take a bit of a break and we'll get into our main topic, talk, essentially doing a WandaVision postmortem for this incredible Disney Plus series that just finished airing uh, here in the world. We'll be right back after this. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. I can't remember the music. You it's were been struggling. gone too long. <laughs> was that WandaVision? Was that it, WandaVision? It, it, I mean, it was incorrect, okay. uh, but it, it right. was an attempt. Fair enough, fair enough. There's only uh, one song that you need. If, we are, if you're doing WandaVision, there's just one way to go. Go ahead. It was Agatha all along. That's how you do it. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into it for everybody who has. Uh, if you haven't watched our uh, our spoiler reviews of every episode of uh, WandaVision, they're up on the Outlaw Nation channel. Also on uh, the Geek Buddies uh, podcast feed. You just type in Geek Buddies wherever you download podcasts, and you can listen to all of those spoiler review episodes as well. If you don't want to see our pretty faces, we did it all with Emma Fife, who was incredible. But now, of course, we're coming down from the high of nine straight weeks of WandaVision, and, or eight straight weeks since one and two were combined. And we're going to have a conversation here about some of the things that have been coming out here with these interviews with uh, Matt Shackman, with Jock Schaefer, with Elizabeth Olsen, talking about some of the stuff that was speculated about, some of the stuff that was uh, expected, uh, some, of the, some of the theories that people were throwing out, some of the theories we threw out. There was a lot <laughs> that was going on. But certainly, Michael, I go to you first to uh, hear as someone who has showrun shows what do you think's going on here with Shankman and uh, Schaefer? And do you think they're just kind of like, oh, now I can finally talk about everything. Let me get oh, on yeah. every outlet I can to let it all out because I've been holding it for over two months trying to talk about it. Oh, yeah, I am sure. Uh, I, I am sure that they have been uh, chomping at the bit to actually – address some of the theories, talk about why choices were made, talk about how things were. And look, and in a really positive way, like when you put something out there and you get to watch for eight weeks as the entire uh, <laughs> geek population just like eats it up and goes crazy, like it feels good. Like it's a good feeling. So the the freedom to be able to actually talk about how they did it, why they made the choices they made, what was important to them in the making of it, uh, and to address the stuff that is like, well, we know that you were maybe a little disappointed in this. We know that you mm. wanted this. We actually tried to do this, but we couldn't. Like, I've been waiting for this. Like, uh, I've been super excited to sort of dive in and hear what their thinking was behind yeah. everything. I think that as we spent week after week after week sort of saying, I think this is what the show is about. I think this is what they're trying to say. I think this is what's important to them. Yeah. It's really fun to actually, like, finally be able to just, like, dive in to them being free to talk about most things. There's still a couple of things that they're very uh, cagey on, which I think is kind mm. of fun in and, itself, in and of itself as well. But uh, yeah, this is, it's, it's, 
like to your point, we're coming down off this high of having eight weeks of just this like spectacular story uh, kind of unrolling uh, and being unveiled week after week. But mm-hmm. it's like this kind of like gets to prolong it. Uh, we get to sort of dive in and and look at the like to me, uh, someone who you know is a writer and does uh, do some show running. It, it's just fun to hear why they did the things they did. Yeah, yeah. Shannon, we're hearing a lot of things. They addressed the Doctor Strange. Uh, Matt Shackman did the Doctor Strange cameo. A lot of people felt that Doctor Strange was going to appear. Certainly he was name-dropped, or not him, but the Sorcerer Supreme was name-dropped. And certainly in the comics, he is the Sorcerer Supreme. He hasn't quite gotten there in the MCU yet that we know of just yet, but he was. So he addressed that, said that he was never in the cards to show up. The Darkhold was certainly, and that's a connective tissue, but they also said about the Darkhold, or Matt did about the Darkhold, that there will be no crossover from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Runaways on the Darkhold. It will be its own thing. They will create the mythology around the Darkhold for the MCU going forward. So were you surprised by some of these answers and some of these comments? Are you sad that you're not going to see some of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff connected to the Darkhold or Runaways, depending on if you watch that, connected to the Darkhold? And uh, were you kind of disappointed by the fact that uh, Doctor Strange was nowhere near being appearing in this show at all? Well, okay. So to the Darkhold, it, it didn't su- like again. I was surprised they went to the Darkhold just because it had been so used recently, or had been used so recently with Agents of Shield and Runaway. But these are two; these are separate universes. And just in the design, the the MCU version of the Darkhold just looks cooler. It yeah. looks scarier. Like it's just you know there there was just more. It was just more there, and it's. I'm assuming that's not the last we're going to see of this no, book. Um, like and also, like going forward, I, I I think we all sort of fully expected Doctor Strange to show up. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, like this is the first thing out of the gate for Phase Four. Like right. I'm sure there's going to be some reason as to why he didn't show up. Um, but also at the end of the day, it was Wanda and Vision's story. And I know people had speculated, and I'm sure we we did as well, that Doctor Strange was going to show up for the final battle. He was going to show up for in the post-credit sequence. But ultimately, that kind of takes away from Wanda's story mm-hmm. because ultimately you the, the story has been about her. I mean, I kind of had the same thought with Shazam, you know, when it came out a few years ago, the whole idea that Superman was going to play some part. And when Cavill couldn't do it, Gal Gadot was maybe going to style. Like these were all just internet, internet rumors. And it's yeah. like, God, I love like hearing that idea. I love it right away. Cause I want to see, I want to see more superheroes together, but it detracts from the main story. Like ultimately it kind of cheapens that hero's journey. If someone else has to come in and, and save them. So mm-hmm. it, it doesn't surprise me that that they are discounting the, the TV universe to do their own thing. Like not at all. Yeah, yeah. Mike, uh, uh, some of the other things that were brought up here, uh, uh, Jock Schaefer said very clearly that for all the outer stuff that was going on, the show was very much about uh, grief, about the process of grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an interview with EW, uh, further, uh, I think it was Matt Shackman who said this. Is yeah, Matt Shackman said this is what we went through. The it was loosely structured on Elizabeth Kubler Ross's stages of grief: Deni- denial, anger, bargaining, acceptance. All of that is what he said, and it led to that walk of shame for Wanda at the end. We'll deal with that in just a second. Some of the comments were delivered about that as well. What did you think about the the fact that they are very clear that this is what it was all about, not this other stuff that was going on around it? 
You know, I think I think that we I mean of all the of all the theories that we had that we were wrong about and all the things mm. that we thought were gonna happen that didn't happen and the characters that we thought were gonna show up that didn't, that's something really early on in our reviews that we said as well. Like the show yeah. is clearly about grief, that we knew it was about Wanda's grief. And as soon as Monica showed up, uh, and once we got past the Geraldine of it all, found out that she also had dealt with grief, I think that it was really, really clear. Uh, what I thought was really interesting in in reading, I believe it was uh, Jacques Schaefer's interview in um, in New York Times, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like to your point about not only that the show was about grief, but the way that you were just saying, the way they really built the arc of the show around yeah. the stages of grief. That when you really watch Wanda's journey in the show. Uh, that she kind of goes through first, like not knowing. Uh, and I think that, you know, like we talked about that a lot, like those first few episodes, I actually went back and watched all of it in one long stretch. And oh. you can really see where you're like, you don't know. Like there's a very clear moment where Wanda all of a sudden is like, oh, I remember things now. Um, mm-hmm. But you then see from that point on that she's sort of denying what's going on with Vision in the Family Ties episode. She gets very angry when she goes out and talks to Hayward. There's yeah. a lot of bargaining. There's a lot of like, well, but what about this? What about this? There's uh, there's depression mm-hmm. um, in the Modern Family episode where she is just in her sweats taking antidepressants. Yeah. And then finally with Agatha in the you know in the eighth episode going through and it's acceptance. And like I think that. What made WandaVision work so well, despite people being upset that their favorite theory, character, whatever didn't happen, Mm -hmm. is that this team creatively knew what they were all about and knew what they were doing and stuck to the emotional story for the main characters. And that's what makes it work. The other piece along those lines that I was fascinated about is I always thought that Jock Schaefer came in, just I just assumed that she came in and pitched the sitcom idea. I didn't know, and as as she's made clear, Kevin Feige came up with that. Like Kevin Feige was like, I want to do this sitcom thing. And then she kind of came in and gave it shape. And I was just like, man, that guy is so impressive. Like that is just cool to me. Like, but like, but like really interesting to hear how the whole working with Marvel. And I know she's been asked a lot about working with the other teams. And do you guys all sit in a room and like have these discussions about, well, you're doing this in this movie and we're going to connect here. And I like the way that she put it, that like Feige does most of that. And by Feige doing most of that, it allows each of these creative teams on the movies to focus on their emotional stories and their characters. And I think that's why WandaVision was so successful. Yeah, and uh, Shannon, let's go back to you on this. There, there's a, a recent interview with uh, Shackman in EW as well. And it says, they asked him, were there any scenes you shot or anything you left on the cutting room floor? Yeah, there's. he said, there's always little things to get cut. That was a longer scene that we... Oh, yeah, because uh, I read that there was something in the family, finale about Agatha's rabbit, Senior Scratchy. Uh, he said, yeah, there's always little things that get cut. That was a longer scene that we ended up losing. We shot it, but it was pretty early on that we had to pivot away from it. Finales are tough because you have all these different pieces on the chessboard, and those stories all happen concurrently. What's happening in the town square with Agatha and Wanda at the same time as Vision's in the sky, and how do you move everybody to the inevitable mer- merge point without feeling like you're losing focus? Ultimately, the story is Wanda and Visions, and we didn't want to derail that. But there was a very fun Goonies-style set piece involving Senior Scratchy, who was Agatha's familiar, turning into a sort of demon bunny and chasing the kiddos, Monica and Ralph, around the bewitched basement. So me personally, I'm very happy we didn't get that scene. I think that would have undercut Monica even more to have her running away from a demon bunny. But... 
I would have liked to have seen Ralph and the kids running away from a demon bunny. That would have been funny. Uh, what do you think about that shit? Well, I think it definitely lends lends credit to to the thing that we had speculated that 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 something's going on with that rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> and, true. and he the, the rabbit is not accidentally named Senior Scratchy for nothing because Old Scratch is an, is has been nicknamed for the devil. Yeah. Agatha has a son named Nicholas Scratch. Like like the the writers are aware of this, and like when we got to the end. You know, it did seem like, uh, you know, sacrifices had to be made in the finale. Like you can only you only have so much time to tell so much story. So some characters, Monica, for instance, like and it's all the comments are like, well, it's the show's called WandaVision. Like, yeah, we're aware. We're aware. <laughs> it was just a character that we that the audience really responded to. And we wanted to see just a little bit more from. We understand that it's the beginning of her journey. We're excited to see where that journey goes. We just wanted to see more of it right now. But also Darcy, like Darcy had one line. Yeah. in the finale and so the idea that they did have a sequence mapped out but ultimately it detracted from that main emotional story where you're watching wanda take on agatha and you're watching the the duel of the visions which mm -hmm. produced one of the coolest face-offs in the ships of theseus argument like right. you understand like yep it's it's you can't unfortunately you can't you can't service everybody you have to you have to focus on your leads that's where the strongest emotional connection for the audience is yeah yeah another thing they talked about mike i go back to you on this one uh they asked about ralph boner uh and shackman made it very clear that he understood the criticisms that people had about it because of introducing this character and what have you then ralph and naming him ralph boner uh, but for him, it was about, uh, you know, resuscitating the 90s comic stuff. He was on, as you mentioned, Mike, in our reviews, just the 10 of us. He was on that for three seasons. Uh, the actor who played Boner, I think, in uh, Growing Pain, sadly passed away a few years ago. Uh, so it was his way of kind of doing an homage to that character. But uh, no matter how you explain it, you can't deny that people were left pretty underwhelmed by that uh, in this situation. Is this just one of those things where you have to allow creative license for the artist and, and look at the weight of all the great stuff we got and not let one thing maybe overwhelm it. Yeah, I think that's, look, I, and I've seen a lot of people say this, like, you know, it's the, I think it's, it's unfortunate that with everything they were trying to accomplish and everything yeah. they did accomplish that two of the things that probably didn't land great for people, which is the amount of time, the, the way you wrapped up Monica's story yeah. and the Ralph Boner of it all happen to just coincide like it's an unfortunate like it's a it's definitely an unfortunate moment for a lot of people uh and i do think that like i think that the, the ralph boner of it all i'm just i've said boner a lot in the past two hey. seconds uh the ralph boner of it all um yeah <laughs> i i don't know this for sure but i have a feeling that everybody uh whether it be jacques schaefer matt shackman whatever had really good intentions and had a really good idea with, oh, this would be really cool. Mm -hmm. This is gonna like throw people off. Like they're gonna be really confused, but it's kind of a really cool nod. This is gonna be a fun Easter egg, whatever. And just underestimated how hungry fans are for both the multiverse and mutants. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, if, you know, and obviously there's a lot of stuff that they're not gonna just say in interviews. Um, but I think that maybe this is one where they're like, yeah, maybe we, maybe we didn't think that one all the way through. That would be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine. So they also revealed in a number of their interviews uh, that they were going to release the first three episodes uh, at once, all at once. That was the original plan. And I think that would have gone a long way. You know, eventually 
everybody everybody got on the WandaVision train uh, uh, as it went along. But I think there was a lot of complaints after those first two episodes and somewhat even after the third episode. But putting all three of those episodes together, I think, would have been the smarter decision because you'd have at least glimpsed coming out of this 1950s, 60s, 670s sitcom world and seen there was something more happening. And then episode four would have hit and then you'd really see what was going on outside. So uh, maybe some second thoughts there, do you think? Or do you think it just kind of worked out uh, perfectly for them anyway? Well, I think in the article, they said that it was kind of they had to make a choice. They could either right. finish episode three or they could or they could go to the finale. Um, in, in terms of like like dishing it out for the audience, I liked the way they did it. Mm-hmm. But I but I bought into the concept from moment one. I, mm-hmm. I, I can see right. where it, it, if you want to play to the less patient viewer, that that would have been the way to do it. But but I l- love the anticipation coming mm-hmm. into week three with episode four. I mean, because by the end of episode three, you you know what's going on. And so really you got that at the end of week two. Like you, yeah. did, you did get that. And even though like I know, like with the boys season two, I want to say they released the first two or three episodes right off the bat, an hour and a half of a show. Like that's a, that's a lot to yeah. take in. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, think, I think the audience needed that time to digest it. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Yeah, Mike. There was issues with the shutdown as well. He go. He says we were working. We were working really hard on the finale before the shutdown. There were some things that we ended up cutting, some scenes that we ended up adding, which is a traditional process at Marvel, where you edit it, you show it, you see how things are working, and then you have a little bit of additional editing. And they said, you know, as you said, they wanted to. Oh, sorry, as we said, they wanted to release the original three. And as Shannon just said, but they had to go back and finish three and sacrifice the finale, and they made the decision instead to focus on the finale. Yeah. Um, so interesting decisions for sure, because, uh, you know, did, did the finale, we see now some people didn't feel the finale landed as strongly as it could have. I mean, look, it's, I think that any creator of any, uh, you know, I think we said this last week, but nothing is perfect. There's, yeah. uh, our, our most favorite movies in the world. Uh, I love Toy Story. I don't know why Buzz Lightyear freezes when Andy walks in if he doesn't believe he's a toy. Like there's <laughs> every movie that we love has things about it. That you're That's like, true. Ah, that That's a great point. Didn't quite land. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as we all sort of go through and sift through the information that we're getting now about WandaVision, um, I think what you're hearing is like, you know, production is hard in normal times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, doing something, Marvel did something they've never done before, you know, kind of telling their first MCU connected story in a television format. Um, they chose with this version to go very high concept and yeah. very weird in their execution of it. And then as they got to their big finale, um, you know, b- visual effects budget, visual effects production timeline, and then COVID all came in to say, oh, you don't get to do everything you want to do exactly the way you want. And I think when you take all that into account, I I don't look at it as, oh, wow, I wish they could have done things differently. I look at it as, fuck, man, they really kicked ass. I mean, like, they, like all, all the issues that we all have, uh, that anybody has notwithstanding, and all of us have things that we thought weren't perfect about it, Um, they, 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 they stuck the landing on a lot more than they didn't. And so I think that seeing how they did that, despite all of these things is, uh, is actually really, to me, impressive. 
Yeah, it's really interesting too when you listen to more of the or why, listen to well, what do you read or listen to more of these reviews with Matt Shackman and 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 Jock Schaefer? And they speak about, uh, and I hope I'm saying that I think it's Jack Schaefer or Jock Schaefer. I hope I'm saying that correctly. But they speak about um, the moment where Wanda does her walk of shame, and Monica kind of a lot of people, including me, felt that they let her off the hook with this. You'll never know what you, they'll never know what you sacrificed for them. Uh, uh, Schaefer has said, uh, I think Wanda's walk of shame back into the town is really powerful. And it was written as such on the page. It was meant to be like an assault of death glares from people. And we were meant to feel how angry they all are. And Michael, just to take, to, to piggyback on your Kevin Feige stuff. Uh, she said, I remember a note from Kevin Feige being like more, more, let's feel that for her. Let's understand that what she did was terrible. Um, and er she's saying that everything, it wasn't about everything being wrapped up in squeaky clean. She's a hero and has done no wrong. We didn't want that. She's done a lot of wrong and there will probably be reckonings down the line. Now I like how that's in the gray area of misdeeds that she's been involved in. So what are we setting up here? Do you think Mike, is this a complicated heroine that we're chat that the MCU is challenging the audience with, you know, uh, as I've been uh, kind of in the world of getting ready for Zack Snyder, reading all these articles, and I, I interviewed Sean O'Connell for the Outlaw Nation show last night as of this recording, the, the number one narrative constantly seems to be, and in the book I read of his that, he's, that is out now, the constant narrative is, well, Marvel does a, their factory type approach to things. Yes, do they? does every director get to have their own spin on it? Sure. But in the end, you have to adhere to this overall vibe of this universe. And DC is about breaking down doing things really differently and taking chances and big swings like joker and possibly Zack snyder and other things so do you think this is marvel's way of maybe hearing some of that criticism and exploring the possibility of challenging the audience a bit more with these heroes uh well let me just say something like i, <laughs> I would push back on let me push back I'm not saying I agree with it, right? <laughs> well, I actually will say, I mean, as much as I've been a fan of what Marvel has built throughout um, throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm. from day one and the interconnectedness that they did, I, I will say that I do think early on with Marvel, no matter who was directing a movie, it was clear that they, they all had to kind of feel the same. Yeah. They they were shot a little bit the same. They had to feel a little bit of the same. Like your wiggle room was smaller. So I think that early on with Marvel, that's a valid statement. But I think as mm. soon as you've got James Gunn coming in and defining what space looks like in the Marvel universe, and yeah. then Taika Waititi takes that ball and runs with it, and Kugler creates a Wakanda that's unlike anything that anyone's ever seen before, I kind of feel like this whole Marvel does this factory kind of cookie cutter thing starts to wear a little bit thin and it doesn't mm -hmm. take anything away from the fact that dc has done some awesome very different things as well yeah. when they get it right like joker is super different and really really good and i think they were rightly rewarded for that so i, I think this whole idea that marvel does this one thing and then even the fact that wandavision exists you're like oh uh, marvel does things the same and then they come out with a show where each episode is a different era of television that Wanda is using to deal with her grief at the loss of her parents and her brother and her robot boyfriend. And you're like, yeah, same old, same old. You're like, get out of here with that. That being said, <laughs> that being said yeah. I do think that um, what they're doing with Wanda is exactly what anybody who's a fan of the Scarlet Witch wants them to do with Wanda. I yeah. think that 
What's great about the show is that moment, and we talked about it in our review, uh, if people go back and watch our review for episode nine, regardless of the fact that maybe Monica should have said we should take you in or the police should have tried to, like you can argue the nuance of that moment. You cannot argue that this show doesn't it doesn't fully go go uh, all the way in on the fact that what Wanda did was wrong. Yeah. Like yeah. in the reactions of the townspeople of Westview, in what they say, in the way everybody talks about Wanda, even Hayward, as much as you and I have to, have argued Hayward Island for the past nine weeks, yeah. even the stuff that Hayward says about Wanda, even though he is kind of fudging the truth about her stealing vision, is not wrong. I mean, yeah. Wanda from day one, she started as a villain in Age of Ultron. In Civil War, even though what she did was unintentional, it spoke to someone who had a level of power that could very easily be destructive. Right. And then seeing where she went here, I think that, look, I, I, I think it was either uh, Schaefer or Shackman or one of them in an interview, when they talked about the Darkhold, they were like, look, that's a book of pure evil. Mm. And we end the series with her flipping through that thing in her astral projection as she's sipping tea. Like, she's not going down the super heroic path necessarily. Right, right. And because we end the final shot of her hearing her kids, we know what's important to Wanda. Mm -hmm. We know that finding that, and, and so even though we may understand where she comes from, and even though we may sympathize with her, empathize with her, care about her, want her to find happiness, I think there's a good chance that as we get into this next phase of Marvel, she's going to be doing stuff that remains to be questionable mm -hmm. on the hero to villain scale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Shannon, anything to chime in on that one, on that particular point? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, you think of the big swings that DC has taken. Joker was certainly one. Yes. Um, Wonder Woman certainly one. I mean, you know, they were the first one out of the gate with a, with a female-led superhero film, and it was, it, was, it was brilliant. I mean, it was so, so great. Yeah, um, yeah and, and I think when when Marvel got on this path of like, we're, we're doing the infinity gauntlet, we're doing Thanos, they had their endpoint. So right. they had to work within that route to that endpoint. Yeah. Now we don't know what their next big event is. We know they have so, you know, they've announced so many projects that seem to be so vastly different. Mm -hmm. You have to think at this point, Kevin Feige and his team, they've they've bought some goodwill, they've bought some faith. Yeah. So whatever the end goal is, it's going to, it, the, the everything that's been announced is going to fit into that particular path. Yeah, I hope so. Cause I mean, we're so conditioned for so for 20 plus movies to think of the universe in a certain way in the MCU. I, I certainly we all enjoyed WandaVision for the most part, uh, if not the full part. Uh, and now, now they're kind of turning, steering the ship in a whole new direction now that's a little more gray, a little more fluid. And when you get it, all of us who've read those Marvel comics, we know when you get into the sorcerer stuff, when you get into that kind of magic stuff, the idea of good versus evil isn't as concretely laid out as it seems to be in other areas, I, but uh, Marvel's done an effective job in the comics, kind of showing you a lot of great areas. So yeah. I hope they'll do that consistently on, on screen. 
I did what? feel slightly vindicated. I was reading an article. <laughs> I know that after episode after episode eight, I made a boneheaded statement to say that seeing the Salem witch trials was the first time we saw magic in the MCU. Bradley pointed out that we have an entire movie about a sorcerer. Right, right. Maybe I didn't know what I was talking about. Which <laughs> was valid. Uh, it was a rough day. I was in a garage. It was a weird week. But um, but one of the articles I read did make the point, which I think kind of supports what you're talking about with this phase four, which is up to this point, what magic is in the MCU has been pretty narrow. Like what Doctor Strange does and the way he uses magic and the way the Sorcerer Supreme taught him, like, like there was a, this is what magic is in this lane. Yeah. And it was very like, this is how we use this power and ability. And there's some bigger forces at work. And that's what we do. And that with WandaVision, that we see that witches were real and that mm-hmm. they have the classic, like, wave my fingers and magical energy comes out. And we've got the dark hold and we've got giant runes in the sky. And, we, and like that we have really opened up magic in a way that it hasn't been opened up before. Like Dr. Yeah. Strange's magic ability worked in the same vein as anybody shooting energy blasts from their hand. And that what right. Wanda is doing now with that dark hold, like we are getting into demons, monsters, creatures. And we know that because we know blade is coming. So we yeah. know vampires are coming and we know that with eternals, we're getting into these characters that have lived on the earth mm-hmm. for, you know, millennia. And so we're definitely, uh, I, I, like we've said before, I know that Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to be the first TV show out of the gate on Disney Plus, but I kind of feel that when we all look back, WandaVision is going to be fitting just because I think I think with Endgame, they got through there. We never knew that we'd be able to get here, but we did it. Yeah. And we did it in a we, we took a lot of chances. We took a lot of big swings, but this was pretty conventional superhero storytelling to to the point of the DC stuff. Yeah. I think from now here on out. We're getting into the weird shit. Like we're going to the comic books that people were like, this is where some crazy stuff went down <laughs> and they're going for it. Uh, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see along those lines. The, 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 my favorite answer that everyone is giving, because everyone keeps asking, yeah. everyone keeps going, is there going to be a WandaVision season two? Yeah. And we all know that Kevin Feige said from day one that that's not how the Marvel shows were going to work and that WandaVision was going to be what it was. It was a mm-hmm. limited series and that was going to lead back into the movies. But given the massive success that WandaVision has been, uh, I think it's the New York Times article, the last question they asked Jack Schaefer. They're like, so what about WandaVision 2? She's like, well, you know, that was never the plan. But as Kevin Feige always says, it's Marvel, so who knows? Mm -hmm. And just the fact that the answer has gone from it's a limited series to, hey, could be anything, guys, (laughs) makes me feel like, like, like I think that everyone was like, hey, people are flipping out. We have made Wanda and Vision like two heavy hitters in the Marvel universe, what would a season two be? How could we do this? And I feel like that's definitely a discussion that's happening right now. Yeah, I'm sure. Just like there was on DC side of things after Joker became so successful, Todd Phillips had said, there's no way we're doing a sequel. It crossed a billion dollars. Well, maybe. Let's talk about it too. Well, Yep. And and uh, Watchmen on HBO. Yeah, I right. Mean, yeah. And, and luckily, I think they made the right call, or at, at least uh, Damon Lindelof did. Is like, yeah, that's what it was. I'm gonna walk away. Yeah. If they want to do it, have at it. But but so. you know, I think there are I think there are arguments for both paths. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one last thing, and we're gonna get out of here. I just wanted to bring this up real quick. Um, Matt Shackman was asked about where's White Vision now? Where does White Vision go? And he said, <laughs> whereas whereas 
Jock Schaefer didn't want to say anything. Matt Shackman said, um, I'm a big West Coast Avengers uh, fan, so I imagine he's sitting poolside with sunglasses on somewhere on the West Coast. So I, I was like, you son of a bitch! You son of a bitch! Are you going to bring that up? So it got me excited for that possibility. And one last thing they added to his voice, which I did not catch. I went back and rewatched some of the finale yesterday when I read this interview, uh, is that they added a James Spader-type sound to his voice uh, white vision's voice so that we have some subconscious ultron vibes as we were watching that it, it just spader was never going to be a part of this they made that very clear as well that apparently someone kind of hacked their imdb and put spader's name up in the uh cast list but he was never going to be part of it but they did adjust the voice to kind of mirror a little bit of the ultron sound that spader had in age of ultron so that's great i love that kind of little attention to detail it gets me excited for what's coming next. And if there is a season two, Mike, it gets me excited for what we're going to see there. Uh, all right. I think that's it. Let's, let's get on out of here. Thank you all so much for joining us here for another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. Always appreciate. We always appreciate you all taking the time to watch or to listen to us. Once again, I reiterate, we do have a podcast feed. We just type in The Geek Buddies wherever you download podcasts and you get to listen to us. In case you don't want to watch our pretty faces or you're sick of YouTube, putting it in your pocket while you're listening to it on the iPhone and having it jump to another video as soon as you take a step. That can happen. I know. So there you go. So you can listen to us as well there. But uh, 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 Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. I'm also on Clubhouse now, at Shannon underscore McClung as well. I don't oh, know what oh, it oh. is. It's so funny. I asked him to join Starian, who was, I don't know what this is. Then he goes and joined Clubhouse, which is literally the, uh, uh, it's the Uber to the Lyft of Stereo. So I, right. I joined Clubhouse. Are you on Clubhouse, John? No, because uh, not yet. Because I. So I how did Stereo. you? How did you find out? Like you tweeted it. Like everybody, you let everybody else know on social oh, media. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. I tweeted that out. I immediately get assaulted by John for not for not signing up for Stereo. Yeah. I went and signed up for Stereo as well. Made my little avatar. Now I'm like, all right, what do I do with this thing? And John gave me no okay. follow up answer. I'll show you. I'll show you, Michael. Yeah. You need to sign up for Stereo as well. It's a way to have two person com conversations about stuff. And it's a way for maybe us to keep promoting Geek Buddies in a separate platform. Could be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, two-person conversation. So there you go. Are you saying Are you saying there's another app where I can start talking and people have to listen? <laughs> yes. And <laughs> yes. And what's great about it is people who are listening send in uh, their recorded comments so you can play those comments and respond to them real time as you're having this conversation. So I will walk you both through it as we do it down the road. It could be a lot of fun to promote Geek Buddies uh, name a little bit more, but anyway, and, 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 and speaking of uh, Mr. Vogel, if you would like to follow Mr. Vogel on social <laughs> media, it's at MK tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says Mikey. Uh, well, Hey, listen, if you're on stereo, you're on clubhouse, your, your vision on the West coast, your Scarlet witch chilling in her Airbnb, wherever she is. I don't care where you are. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we want you to stay here. We want you to bring more people. So a couple things that you can do is you can like this post. You can uh, subscribe to Johnny's outlaw nation page where there is tons of amazing content, much of it with us. Uh, you can leave a comment below. We love checking out the comments and responding to what you guys say. Uh, and if you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found, 
uh, leave us some stars, leave us a comment. Uh, it helps us go up in the rankings. And the best thing that you guys can do is share this video, retweet it, repost it, put it on Facebook, send it to your friend and say, hey, these guys are crazy and they talk about cool shit. You guys are already doing that. We love you guys. You've been awesome. We're very excited to continue our review series coming up next week as we dive into Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we hope Ooh. that you guys are all there for us with that as well. And that is what we got so far. <laughs> there you go. Do all of those things, please. And we just crossed 16,000. 200 followers on uh, on the Outlaw Nation, so we'd like to keep going, marching towards 17,000, marching towards 20,000 and beyond. So please subscribe, as Michael and Shannon have both uh, said here. So, all right, thanks, everybody. Uh, take care of yourselves. Practice social distancing. Wear your mask. And please get yourself vaccinated if you can. And please uh, come join us next week for another brand-new episode of The Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.